Virtue four, humility. Humility. Don't be, do not be proud or arrogant. Being humble, combined with curiosity, builds bridges and solves problems. Questions are the answers, and the power to the questions depend on the humility of the leader. C.S. Lewis observed, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourselfless. In 2019, it, I was invited to speak at Youngston State University in Ohio. This event was made possible by Greg Smith and was hosted by Adam Earnhardt. In one, one of the sessions, I asked the group what the opposite of gratitude was. I've asked many groups this questions, and this was the first time someone answered it correctly. And on the first try, the young lady said, entitlement. Humility allows, us, allows you to be grateful for what you have. Arrogance creates entitlement and makes you resent what you don't have. Humility and gratitude are inextricably intertwined, Ziegler said. The more you are grateful for what you have, the more you will have to be grateful for. Gratitude allows you to focus on what you have in times of disruption. Entitlement makes you fixate on how unfair things are because of what you don't have in times of disruption. And I think that's what happened to me. Now that I'm reading this and I can see, I'm starting this chapter by juxtaposing gratitude with entitlement because in a business world, far too often, immature leaders do not see the return on investment in humility. Mature coach leaders, however, understand that humility and gratitude are key foundation stones when disruption comes. Our culture is based on performance, which typically means our values, and unfortunately, our self-worth usually goes hand in hand with our results. This drives competitiveness and an unhealthy projection of pride and arrogance. The fake it till you make it swagger turns into judgmental disposition toward anyone who has not earned respect. When you bluff your way through your insecurities and lack of experience and knowledge, you begin to assume everyone is doing the same. Arrogance manifests itself in making what you don't know and then focuses on exposing what others don't know. Arrogance means you argue to win rather than question to discover the truth. If you're highly talented and experienced, this approach often gets great results until everything changes. Arrogant leaders are fine with climbing the ladder by stepping on others. Humility is a completely different approach to leadership. Humble leaders relish the fact that they don't know everything. Why? Because if they knew everything, they would be done growing. The change and disruption that is coming will only be embraced and solved proportionate to your ability to learn and grow. Humility allows you to recognize quickly that you don't have the answers, but you likely know that peop the people that do. As a coach leader, ask yourself the following questions from position of humility. How do you view your peers and those you lead? How are you grateful for their skills and experiences? Do you focus on their strengths or on their weaknesses? Are you convinced your job is to persuade them of your point of view? Are you curious about their perspectives, beliefs, and recommendations? 
how you answer these questions tells you a lot about your mindset towards those around you regarding your own humility or arrogance. Can you be humble and confident at the same time? Yes, I think so. Being humble doesn't mean weakness or lacking confidence. In fact, a cinnamon, a cinnamon <laughs> for humility is meekness, which means power in res with restraint. If a three-year-old threatens to beat you up, do you get fearful and defend yourself, or do you smile, laugh, and, and pick them up and hug them? Being humble flows from knowing who you are, understanding your strengths and shortcomings, and owning the responsibility to learn and grow in the areas that are holding you down. Getting ahead is not about pushing others back, but about growing yourself. yourself. Short-term confidence, arrogance, is built on what you have accomplished and requires you to constantly get wins. Long-term confidence, humility, is built on knowing that you know the process of learning and solving problems and that you don't need to know everything. You just need to know what questions to ask and who to ask. The difference between short and long-term confidence is one of the biggest lessons the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us. Many seemingly strong leaders lost their ability to lead because their because of the disruption was so great that the short-term wins necessary to keep their self-confidence up stopped happening. These leaders, out of arrogance, felt as if it were their lone responsibility to come up with the answers to problems they couldn't solve. When the leader's self-confidence is the primary way that they inspire confidence within a team, it only takes a moment for the team to lose confidence in the leader's loss of confidence. Humility understands that long-term confidence is built by doing things in the right way. Coach leaders know long-term confidence is created through relationships built on character and integrity and the belief that power and the belief that powerful, curious questions fuel collaboration, creativity, and co-creation creation and innovation solutions to the most difficult challenges. Humility is eager to give credit where credit is due and, and celebrates everyone's contribution. Technology's impact. Humility will play an essential role in your ability to embrace the massive changes that are coming because of the advances in technology. In the future, in the future is faster than you think. Peter H. Diamandis and Stephen Coulter discuss the concept of technology con convergence, <laughs> convergence. Massive technological advances are rolling out even as you're reading this book. Blockchain will change the way business is done. 5G is up to 100 times faster than 4G. Quantum computing is trillion times faster than classical computing. AI is advancing rapidly and changing the faces of business. Battery storage technology is making the Jetsons a reality. Each of these technologies, techno technologies will radically change the way we work and live. 
convergence is when the technologies come together and has an exceptional impact. In November 2020, I started the refinance process on our home to take advantage of the historically low interest rates. I had to provide more than 50 documents to get approval and it took almost 90 days. To make it even more frustrating, my loan was for only 40% of the value of the home with no cash out. Government regulations designed to protect me instead cost me money and a lot of hair. Technolog technologists believe in the near future, this type of financial transaction will be done through a blockchain technology. Simply put, each person will have their own secure blockchain wallet where all your confidential information can be safely stored. It is believed that a record of every financial transaction you have ever made will be stored in this location. Every purchase, paycheck, tax bill, withdrawal, and payment to and from will be recorded and saved. As a result, getting a home loan will go forward in the following manner. You apply for a loan, the lender requests access to your blockchain financial records. 10 minutes later, you will receive an email with the news <coughs> your old loan has been paid off and your new loan has the following, including payment details. The convergence of AI, blockchain, 5G, and supercomputing without human interaction will do less than 10 minutes what now takes a team of people 90 days to do. The word humility was coined by Scott Klosowski, the founder of Future Point of View, FPOV. Humanology is a framework for describing the blending of humans and technology. During the writings of this book, I had several discussions with Scott regarding the changes technology is bringing to leaders. He described the concept of humanology as an easy to understand scale to see where the future is heading. The scale has 10 points. The first point on the left end of the scale is labeled H5, and the point on the far right is labeled T5. H5 signifies a completely, a completely human function. And as you move from left to right, the function shifts from human to technology with T5 being a completely technological function. The middle of the scale is represented with, as a zero and signifies a 50-50 relationship between human and technology. The humanology scale. Yep, on the left there's an H5 and the right T5. So reflect on your own work experiences as and where you see humanology going in your business. Not long ago, we would make a phone call and talk to a receptionist who would transfer the call to the person we wanted to talk to. Now, when we make a phone call and have to respond to a robotic menu and with little chance of actually talking to a human, in the near future, AI-driven voice will answer our questions and we will never talk to a human being, but we will think we are. This is an example of the humanology scale at work. Humanology, hum, humility, humanology, and coach leaders. I asked Scott what leaders should be preparing for regarding the changes coming with technology. He said leaders should understand the need to embrace technology in order to effectively lead in the new world. 
Older and more experienced leaders are often reluctant to embrace new technology to help them lead more effectively. Now, with more and more people working from home or, or in a hybrid work environment, opportunities for face-to-face -face brainstorming meetings focused on creativity and innovation are less frequent. However, new collaboration technologies are being created to make innovation far more likely in a remote setting. Leaders who understand this and have the humility to let go of their old ways and learn something new will have a huge advantage. It takes courage and humility to try something new and potentially look like a novice in front of a younger, younger people you lead. Who adapt, who adapt so readily to new technology. Humanality encourages and uh, enables you to ask life-changing questions about yourself and about others, such as, what is keeping me from having the maximum impact? Just like a collaboration technology example above, it is a great practice to identify the problems holding you and your team back and then embrace learning the solution even though it will be uncomfortable. There have been numerous times in my speaking career when I have been asked to present to an audience that wasn't my ideal fit. Arrogance would have said, most people like your talk just the way it is. So it's up to them to embrace it the way you like to do it. Instead, it, I became intentional about why I was there in the first place. It's not about me, it's about them. My goal is to have the greatest impact possible and to do this by accepting the facts around an event such as the audience is made up of young people, senior citizens, PhDs, and peculiar limitations such as having only 15 minutes for the presentation or being the last speaker at the end of the grueling four-day event. Once I ask the questions and understand the facts, I can focus on some solutions that will allow for the greatest impact. I don't like being the last speaker at the end of the day, but that may be the, the situation. Given this, how can I energize the crowd and change my presentation for maximum impact? It's a given. I don't know everything and the circumstances aren't ideal. But my choice was how to how I approached the solution. When I started with humility, this is what about them, not me. I could ask the right questions and come up with the best solutions. This is the approach every coach leader should take. Who do I know who can do this better than I can? Several years ago, I was having breakfast with my friend and mentor Bob Tide. He is an expert on questions. So anytime we get together, I know he's going to help me discover something new through his questions. His opening question that morning was, how are you doing? I told him I was doing well overall and the company was doing well, but I was feeling overwhelmed. He then asked the usual follow-up questions. Can you tell me more? I said that day that the days were packed with so much to do and that we were going through a lot of changes and this just left me overwhelmed. And then he repeated the question, can you tell me a little bit more? I said that my frustration with being overwhelmed was that the people would bring, bring me great ideas that I knew we should do, but I just didn't have the bandwidth to do them. And this really frustrated me. Bob said, 
You're asking yourself the wrong questions. The question shouldn't be, how do I do this? The question should be, who should do this? You see, most of the time there's someone better than you to solve the problem or implement a good idea. And it's your job to pass it to them. Understanding this concept is a game changer. Humility allows you to take responsibility for not doing the task and assuming you are the only one with the answer, but for finding the best person to do it. So what do they know that I can learn from them? Imagine you've been assigned a project with huge implications, a short timeline in an area about which you only have general understanding, but on the team on, on your team is a new person who you know has a great deal of information in this area from the previous job. What do you do? Do you hand them the project and say, hey, get her done? Or do you tell them exactly what you want them to do, how to do it, and then and then micromanage them? Or or do you come up with a series of questions such as, hey, have you ever done a project like this before? How do you think it'll turn out? What challenges did you face? Knowing what you're, what knowing what you know, can you can you plan together for? Can we can you put a plan together for this project? How can I help you? Of course, the series of questions is the way to go. And yet we pass up this opportunity every day with the people we've been successfully working with for for months and even years. What if you've asked them questions such as, I'm curious, how or where did you learn to do it that way? What other ways of doing it did you, did you consider or reject, and why? I know we had, limit, had limited time or limited money on this project. If, if we didn't, what would you have done differently? Well, what are your most proud, what are you most proud of regarding this project? What frustrated you about this project? These questions work best when they're asked out of humility and the person knows you are genuinely interested in what makes them tick and why they make the choices they did. Few things are more impactful than someone who shows a genuine interest in someone else. And this can be done when humility shows up and says, teach me, I want to understand and to know what you know. What do I need to do to protect against my weaknesses? We all have weaknesses and blind spots. Coach leaders recognize and seek help for their blind spots, but this doesn't happen without some level of humility. I tend to trust people automatically and give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I have learned some harsh lessons along the way, and now it, if the stakes are high, I get input from those I really trust who don't have a blind spot in that area. But clear, but early in my career, I would often get their input and then ignore it. So my question is this, did my arrogance or my humility get me into trouble? Humility is often the fence that protects us from bad decisions. Arrogance, I will, I will never do that. Humility, just because I never have doesn't mean I never will. And humility knows the value of boundaries and accountability partners. Don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason it was put up. That's by G.K. Chesterton. As we grow our as we grow as business leaders, it is 
easy to forget about our weakness or wrongly believe that they are no longer a threat. This is a huge mistake. The more responsible and authority, more responsibility and authority you have, the greater the imperative to guard against your weakness and blind spots. What do I need to take full responsibility and ownership of? Well, Stephen Krivada, a Ziegler legacy speaker and coach, noted most will say they will do anything to accomplish their goals except take responsibility for where they are. Steve has a hit on a key factor in the difference between good leaders and, co and great coach leaders. We all have a story. Things happen to us beyond our control, and things happen to us because of the choices we make. Every person's story is unique. Here's the question. Have you taken ownership and responsibility for where you are right now? It takes humility to do this because all of the things about ourselves that we're not proud of and we wish we're different in many cases we are not responsible for what happened to us we are responsible for how we handled what happens to us humility allows us to look at our responses and ask simple questions how can i handle it better next time arrogance or pride would say what do you what do you expect what happened to me was terrible and of course i reacted Humility would say, what happened to me was terrible, and I can do better next time and choose a, a, to respond differently. Humility helps you to see the need for taking ownership of your response. As I was studying the virtues that allow us to lead effectively in disruptive times, I remembered a study I had done years ago based on a simple question. As a Christ follower, what character qualities would be most important to me to, to develop from God's perspective? Even if you are not a believer, I think you can see the power of this question and the answer. If you like, you can change the question. As a human, what character qualities could I develop and what would allow me to have the most fulfilling life possible? In my studies, I encountered words like love and humility. These are virtues that God places on high value on, and they are universal, even if you are not a Christian. Then I came across the word brokenness in a Steve Fry's book, True Freedom. Brokenness is the ultimate form of humility. In the spiritual context, it doesn't mean that you are broken and can't do anything. Instead, it means, that, means you understand there's nothing you can do of eternal significance without God's help. Arrogance says, I don't need your help. Humility says, I need your help. Brokenness says, I need God's help. This is where it gets interesting. The key attribute of a broken person is they speak the truth in love. Truth is never used as a hammer or a gotcha, but always as a way to help the receiver discover what is true. It is shared in love for the other's benefit, not used as a weapon to illustrate self-righteousness. When the truth is shared out of arrogance, it usually drives people away from the truth. When it is shared with humility and brokenness, the receiver will often consider it. Boldness. Brokenness. 
and the true and true humility have a surprising result. Boldness, one of the challenges we, we all have, is we want to be liked and hopefully respected. We carefully measure our words and our actions with the hope that we are liked and accepted by those around us. This is why people so readily become like to people when they spend time readily become like to people when they spend time with. We want to be accepted as much so much that instead of doing and saying what is right, we do and say what the group likes. As you can see, picking the wrong group has dire consequences. The wrong group needs the truth spoken in love more than anything, and it takes a humble and broken person to give it to them. A humble and broken person understands their responsibility is to speak the truth, God's truth in love, and because it is God's truth, they have no, no responsibility for how it is received. The deep understanding and application of humility and brokenness means that when you deliver the truth in love, that you no longer worry about how the person you are sharing it with will receive it. Their reaction or response to the truth in love is between them and God. What they do with it is up to them, and how you feel about you doesn't matter. And how they feel about you doesn't matter. Your value and your position are secure, and their like or dislike is not about you. It's about their relationship with the truth. Imagine your team is doing well, and all eight team members are exceeding expectations. One day you notice some tension, and it comes to your attention that one of your top performers is gossiping about another team member. The top performer is very well liked, has a lot of influence, is vital to your team's success, and has very has very supportive has been very supportive of you. The mental gymnast starts as you begin gymnastics starts as you begin to figure out how you are going to address this. The question starts going through your mind. How will he react to me? How will will he still like and support me? What will this do to the team? And if I don't do anything, will it blow over? Stop. Remember the issue is not between you and the top performer. In fact, it takes some level of arrogance to believe this. The issue is between the top between the top performer and what is true and what is right. The top performer is on the wrong side and what is right and you as the coach leader know the truth of this and have the responsibility to share the truth in love with the top performers so that he can get back on the right side. The challenge isn't about how we, how he will respond to you. The challenge is how you will he will respond to the truth. This allows you to be bold because his acceptance or rejection of you sharing the truth is not his accepting or rejecting you, but accepting or rejecting the truth. Business context. So Howard Partridge, our exclusive small business coach at Ziegler, puts this approach to simple question model. Once it has been established and verified by who you are talking with, the top former, that you are aware of this behavior and he agrees it has happened, you then ask him these questions. Can you tell me what our company mission statement is? Everyone on your team should know this by heart. And if the mission statement is too complicated and too easily remember, then that is something you need to address.
top performer repeats it. Can you share with me what our company values are? A simple, easy to remember list of company values is important. There are truth, there are the truth and what's right in your company. The top performer repeats it. Help me understand how your behavior, a specific example of the, of the gospel, helps us fulfill our mission and uphold, holds our values. The approach delivers far from delivers a place of humility. This approach delivered from a place of humility because the standard applies to you as well. With love now makes the issue between the top performer and the company mission statement and values. The point of this example is to show you what happens when you step away from from arrogance. It's about me and to humility. It's about you and something bigger than me. Humility allows us to do what's right with love, without worrying, without reaction or responses, because when the truth is spoken in love, it is between the individual and the truth. Humility is not about the worker and the coach leader. It is about something bigger than both of them. Humility means you think bigger. Humility in the top performer. Humility in top performers. Attracting, developing, and retaining top performers is an ongoing challenge that is more difficult than ever before. In the past, many jobs were defined by geography and education. Having the right credentials and living near the office was key to getting this job. Now, top performers can live anywhere in the world and work from whomever they choose, and their value is based less on what they already know and more focused on how they can solve new problems in innovative ways. And almost everyone, and especially top performers, subconsciously ask themselves this question. Is my leader holding me down or lifting me up? Career advancement and achieving personal goals and dreams usually go hand in hand. Top performers are top performers because they have an intimate innate ability to measure their own performance and growth. As part of this evaluation, they ask themselves, is my leader providing the tools and the support, the atmosphere, the development, the team culture, the collaboration, the innovation, the understanding, the extras, I need to do my best work. If the answer is no, what do you think top performers do? They leave. They know the best long-term chance of achieving their goals happens when leadership support leadership supports them. What about the average or good workers? While they may not have taken ownership and full responsibility for their own success, like a top performer does, they still look at their leaders and view them either as someone who is helping them advance or someone who is holding them back. This view is hyper-focused in times of disruption, challenge, and change. If you don't do the thing to build and develop your people, when things are going smoothly, you aren't going to have the trust to do it when disruption comes. Humility, creativity, culture, mental health, and the question. Imagine you are leading a team of top performers. Some work at the company headquarters and others work remotely. You have a classic blended team in that they are all in the same room together, only very rarely. Here, here is a question for you. Do you think your top performers would prefer to be told what to do, when to do it, and how it should be done? Or do you think they would prefer to be asked 
how they would recommend getting what needs to be done on time and on budget and what help they need. It turns out everyone would rather be asked than told, especially in the areas of expertise. Humility gives your coach leader questions more credibility and power because humility means the question is about them, not you, because humility allows you to focus on their needs. You are better prepared to handle the three big challenges of the blended work team, creativity, culture, and mental health. Nicholas Bloom is a professor of economics at Stanford University, and he has done extensive research on the impact working remotely and has on productivity and performance. This, the issue with remote work that always comes up are creativity, culture, and mental health. He observed, culture leaders recognize the disruption is from, is the form of remote work requires a proactive approach to these concerns. Humility allows the coach leader to seek solutions outside of their own experience and ask deeper questions. Creativity. How can I create an atmosphere of creative creativity both in one-on-one -on -one meetings and team meetings when we are using technology? What questions do I need to ask? What tools do I need to provide? What follow-up methods do I need to implement? On the culture side, how do I use our mission statement and values to raise our, the standard? How do I create engagement and positive interaction? How do I draw on the strengths of each team member? And from a mental health standpoint, how do I acknowledge that work-life balance can easily get out of kilter? How do I provide support for working from home challenges? And how do I address the added stress that disruption and change brings to each team member. What if, what if you were asked a question you don't know the answer to? This is where humility plays a huge part in, this, in your success as a coach leader. If not knowing the answer to a question creates frustration or resentment, then you are being driven by ego and pride. If instead it creates curiosity and a yearning for learning, then humility is where you are coming from. If your focus is on helping the other person, you are in the right place of humility. Everyone, not just top performers, loves to work where they are valued and recognized. As we move into the future, top performers will have fewer and fewer restrictions on where they can work because geographically and, ed and education will mean less and less as converging technologies replace these. Earlier, we quoted Zig Ziglar. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. Humility allows, us, allows you to make it about them. Being grateful for your people, their uniquenesses, and their strengths allows you to draw out more, the more capable person inside each of them. Identifying the challenges your people have allows you to ask the questions you need to ask to discover how you can best support them and help them grow. Top performers stay where they are growing and achieving their personal and professional goals. Humility also means you accept and commit to living up to the missions and values of the organization for which you work. It is impossible to be truly to be a truly humble leader without first being humble to the standard higher than yourself. 
one of the great benefits to this is when you are in a position to be bold and address the challenges right away. Whenever someone on your team has an attitude or behavior that is determined to the detrimental to the team and organization, this is done in coaching in a coaching conversation, asking the individual a simple question. Help me understand how this your attitude or behavior supports the company missions and values. Being humble makes it clear that the problem is between them and the company mission and value. Humble coach leaders are able to serve and support those they lead without feeling threatened or less than just because they don't know the answer to a difficult question. Reflect on these questions as you consider the humility. That humility is the only way to grow. How can you develop yourself to be into a, a humble leader? How can you intentionally demonstrate humility as you work with each person on your team and in team meetings? And what questions can you ask your leadership that will allow you to lead your team more effectively in a humble way? As a coach leader, your goal is to automatically create an atmosphere that allows you those around you to flourish in every area of life, at work and at home, and with all their relationships. This only happens when you truly become a person who lives out the virtues of kindness, selflessness, respect, and humility. Make it a daily practice to review your schedule of meetings before the day begins, and reflect on how you can approach every interaction with these four virtues as the starting point. Now, circle the last sentence if you believe this practice will make you more, more effective coach leader, what questions can you ask your leadership that will allow you to lead your team more effectively in a humble way? So that was the end of uh, that part. And how do we need to be? That'll be the next part. Um, thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed it. I know I stumbled a little bit here and there, but yeah, such is life, right? It ain't so bad. Just, just like raw, authentic, and real. Cheers, everyone. Namaste. Aloha.